Bob Perfect on the line. And as always, I am joined by Karan Chetty. How's it going, Karan? Hey, Bob. I'm right. Thanks, mate. Uh, how are you? I'm not too shabby. I've uh, I've definitely been on a bit of a solo roller coaster journey here in my flat. So I've uh, done a lot of push-ups. I've done some drinking alone. I've had some bubble baths. It's been a yeah, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. <laughs> Yourself? Yeah, I guess lots of introspection going going around. Um, there's not much else to do during this period. To be. Yeah, except maybe play some magic. Um, I know we've actually both been playing Magic. We both did okay in the EGG tournament, making it through to top 32, I think. I got through at the top of my like group, and I think you also got through at the top of your group, eh? Hey? Uh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, if you listen to the last podcast, maybe they maybe the guys did, and that's how they beat us in the top 32, you know? But uh, there, there, were, there was some decent advice to be had from there. But since then, what have you been doing? I know you were saying you were going to play some Modern Horizons drafts. Yeah, so so um, after our conversation on the last uh, last show, I, I, I literally um, got onto the image drafts that evening, I think, when it came out. And uh, yeah, I had a blast um, uh, playing the format again. And I, I think I, 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 I like three owed like the first four or five well, four or five out of the six drops that I entered and it was great and then I was done up. I, I was like, okay, this is this is if I could just draft this every day, I'd be the happiest man in the world. So yeah, I, I cleaned up a little bit there and and then yeah, it got me um into magic online again, you know. It's kind of funny how it happens. And then I, I played I decided, oh let me play a prelim. Um a limited prelim qualifier and then I played the qualifier, then I uh, won the qualifier I whatever whatever the record is to get the, the points. And then yeah. um, it, was, it was all good. And then I played a super, super PDQ, um, which is basically a PDQ, but um, instead of the winner getting an invite to the Pro Tour, it's the top two. Um, okay. And then, okay. yeah, I, I had I, a... I, I thought it would be your hair goes blonde and like stuff like that. <laughs> no, not quite. Um, so then I played, I played that on the Saturday, which was, which was great. And I got off to a good start. And, and uh, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly where I finished, but, um, I, I, it looked like I was one one win away, unfortunately. So I, I missed I missed top eight probably by a win. I finished on seven three, um, and I think I was like a top of the seven threes. And, a, and then, um, so yeah, eight two I probably would have been in top eight. So that kind of yeah. sucked. Uh, yeah, but 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 fun nonetheless. And um, yeah, I'm very much back in on Magic Online and having a blast and wondering why I ever stopped playing. Were there were there still uh, decent prizes for seven three? Um, yeah, I mean, it was like, okay, you get your entry fee back, um, in points and then you got, um, I think it was around 25, 30 chests, treasure chests That's like um, that, that you got back. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's not, not, not great, but hey, that's, fine. that's a grand dude. That's like, you know, that's a grand. That's not bad. <laughs> like if you like in this current state, like it also could be, that's you true. know, too it could be two grand in like a week. So, you know, <laughs> that's, that's also true, I suppose. But yeah, more, more importantly, uh, you know, I'm playing and yeah, I'm still, I mean, I'm not playing well. I, I can see that, but you know, it's getting better, you know, as I, as I'm continuing to play and, and um, sort of get, get back into playing um, a bit of magic uh, frequently. Um, I can see I'm starting to play a little better. So that's, that's also nice. And I'm, and I'm quite, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to playing more and, 
um, you know, playing these these premier events again. Cool. Well, I'll mention what I've been playing in just a little bit, but we, we've had a guest on the line for the last four minutes and we haven't introduced him yet. And he's had quite a good weekend on uh, Magic Online as well. You want to want to give an introduction there? Yeah, so returning for the third time, uh, Savish, welcome uh, and welcome, uh, Sav. And uh, yeah, to tell us what you've been up to, man. Hey, guys. How's it going? You well? Uh, yeah, all good, pal. I'm alive. You're alive, okay. Yeah, I have to say my quarantine, or not not so much quarantine, but my since I am still working, but my time alone at home has been spent slightly differently to Bob's. I think slightly uh, fewer bubble baths and push-ups and maybe a little bit of drinking alone, but not as much probably as Bob. Um, but yeah, I've also been playing a lot of Magic, like Kiran mentioned, did some Modern Horizons drafts when those were available. Uh, actually did a lot of Vintage Cube drafts as well, which were, I think, on for a week or two weeks maybe, um, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, not good value, you know, if you you just get a few player points back if you manage to 3-0 one of those drops, but it's a lot of fun. Um, highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't tried it yet when it's on again. But the Modern yeah. Horizons drops were were fantastic. Um, sorry, Bob, you want to say something? I was going to say, you go up by, like, what is it, five, 50, point, 50 play points in those drafts, uh, if you yeah, I think if you if you three O you yeah, you get 150 points back, but I think they've changed it now, but so you, you actually get, like, a treasure chest and... Um, you know, obviously a, a trophy, but I think you get some qualifying points as well, which helps for some of the premier events. Um, so it's not okay. as bad as oh, yes. you said, it used to just be 150 points on a 100 point entry fee. So you, uh, the value wasn't really that great. And then if you 2 1, I think you get the 100 points back. And if you only go, only have one win, I think you get 50 points. You get, um, oh, do you even, well, that's cool. You even get I 50 think points. So yeah, you, you get some, some bit of a kickback. Um, I think if you. Yeah, I think one one win is still 50 points, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not too bad. It's a lot of fun. You can you know play quite a few of them in a day. It goes pretty quickly. Um, you either win very quickly in Vintage Cube or lose very quickly. So <laughs> so you can get quite a few drafts in in a couple of hours. So that's that's been quite fun. And then Modern Horizons, um, I didn't really 3-0 as many drafts as Kiran. I looked at it more of an opportunity uh, to money draft because uh, a lot of the Modern Horizons cards that we need to play Modern and Legacy are extremely expensive on Magic Online, just because they were only obviously printed in one set, which was not available for very long um, on Magic Online last year. So I managed to open a Ren and Six and a Force of Negation in a couple, in one draft, actually. Uh, and then I think of value in any of the other drafts. So I sort of quit while I was ahead and didn't do any more drafts after that. Um, but yeah, since then, just been playing some of the, the more... Uh, constructed uh, premier events. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's get to you know your. You can brag a little bit. Am I allowed to brag? Oh, cool. I didn't know that. All right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah they... so, 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 so I can I can interject here. So I think it was a Saturday, and I, you know, I saw a message message off like quite late in the night, and I'm like, oh shit, I, I, you know, I missed out missed out top eight by by one round, and he says, okay, well, I'm gonna try the modern modern event the next day and so well uh, this is where we are i guess hey so yeah yeah so i think well yeah you played on friday and then i think i played saturday morning All right. uh right. yeah but I, I decided last minute on like thursday i think to play one of the modern prelims um ended up going 4-1 with uh, the jeskai breach deck that i mentioned the last time i was on the podcast and then just decided to play the modern super qualifier on saturday and, you know, I didn't have much else to do, so I didn't expect to, you know, well, I, I wasn't really using the time on the day productively anyway. So I'm like, oh, let's just, you know, use my qualifying points into this probably eight or nine round tournament 
gives me something to do during the day while I'm watching Community on Netflix in the background. Um, <laughs> ended up actually going 7-1 in the Swiss rounds and making top eight, but then unfortunately losing in the quarterfinals um, to a, a matchup which I think was actually I was actually favoured in, which was the the Simic Urza matchup. Um, okay. But I had a string of unlucky draws, and he drew very well and had good sideboard cards at the right time, so um, didn't go my way. I ended up losing the quarterfinal, but ended up placing well, you know five to eight you know, in the top eight. And walked away with a decent amount of prizes. I think I got 100 treasure chests, um, I think 600 yeah, or 700 play points, and then a, a set of Theros <laughs> online, uh, which I'm Damn. still trying to figure out how to redeem or sell because I'm not really <laughs> interested in getting a. Well, I think redemption is a bit difficult if you live in South Africa. Shipping costs and you know handling costs and you know, it's going to be a yeah, bit difficult. Yeah, but maybe, maybe you can get it. Re- maybe you can get it redeemed and shipped to someone in America and just sell it to them directly. Yeah, that's that's entirely possible. Yeah. So I'll look into those options. I've been, you know, trying to see how much bots on Magic Online are willing to offer. But I think you've got to sell the the cards individually. They don't just buy entire sets. So that's um, card card hoarder, card hoarder buys like you can sell an entire collection kind of thing to them. So check them out. I've I've sold out my last collection to them back in the day. So they're definitely one who they they give pretty decent pricing as well. So if you're looking to sell cards online. I, w- I would look there, but also we're not sponsored, so I shouldn't be giving anyone any. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm also not sponsored by Cardholder, but I make good use of their loan program on Magic Online. So if anyone's looking to play Magic Online, either modern, legacy, standard, whatever, or pioneer, on a fairly decent budget, um, you can look into that because it makes switching decks and playing multiple formats um, simultaneously very, very easy. So I've, I've used that to a good extent. So Cardholder, please sponsor us if you're listening to this podcast. That would be great. They have no clue we exist yet, but I'll, I'll send them. I'll send them a proposal, and we'll we'll see. You can you can uh, change that. I mean, there's ways and means. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're a key market in there that they're trying to you know break into. Everyone's trying to get into South Africa. Like I don't know if you know that. If if you work in the music industry, that's what you hear all the time. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I don't know so much about magic. Um, yeah, that does. Magic is about to hit a big change, though. Uh, we're about to go into a new set. Have you guys been looking at Akoria Lair of Behemoths? Or Behemoth? I, that is what it's called, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I uh, can never remember some of the subtitles of these sets. But, yeah, like Behemoth. Uh, Behemoth. That's all I've been thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been looking at it a bit. Um, I wasn't very oh, interested right. in this set to begin with, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. It is called Ikoria Lay of the Behemoths. I had no idea. I just thought it was called Ikoria. So <laughs> I've learned something right now looking as I'm looking, well, yeah. looking at this. <laughs> the While you're looking at the cards for the first time, you've, you've learned what yeah. the set's called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Quran, yeah, how, how's your experience with this new set uh, been? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think interesting. Um, you know, there's some interesting things in the set. Not as excited about, I mean, these, I don't know what you want to call them, tri-lands um, that, that they've been printed. That, that, yeah, the cycling lands. I mean, interesting. We'll see a lot of standard play. Um, yeah. But again, I don't think I don't think they're going to see a, a lot of eternal format uh, play. Nah, um, bro. Astral Drift is real now. Astral Drift, we're going to play it in my dude. <laughs> You're, you already had cycling lands. You already had cycling lands in mind. Yeah, cost we, one. Are, 
we, we only had some cyclic lads. We didn't have enough. It's got to be a three color. Like, you can go fully Asper now. No, I'm fully kidding. I don't think Asper Drift will ever be a deck, He's unfortunately. Ready to go. Yeah. I wish, you, but... You know, the irony is, like, I think, like, if those... If the Onslaught uh, um, cycle of lands, the secluded Glen, or well, secluded Step, and, and all of those things, if those were printed, I think those are exactly what's needed to give... They um, are. Cycling, yeah. no, no, it's in Pioneer. To give cycling oh, decks right. a chance in Pioneer would be those that cycle, you know, because it's just too expensive. Cycling three and cycling two on your lands, it's just too expensive to to reliably have um, to make, you know, uh, those cycling style of decks uh, viable. Um, unfortunately, so yeah, these these lands will, I think, they'll be good and they'll see lots of standard play. But you know, the, you might see a, a one or two pop up from time to time in um, in, in Pioneer, but that's about it. Uh, I don't think you will see a lot of play um, beyond in, in eternal formats. But, but yeah, it makes it it makes um, the greedy three and four color decks um, a better manner, slightly better, I suppose. But it looks like we're going into that kind of environment now. Just you know, looking at the main main cards in the sets, they just word soup gold cards, you know. So. What do you think? Are we going to go into multi multicolored formats now? They they seem to be planning for it. Well, I think we're here already, aren't we? I mean, if, if well, you think about it, three color. Yeah, sure. And like everything's, you know, it's bent, it's simic, it's you know, it, it, because again, because the fixings, the fixing, the, the blue green shell is there, which allows you to fix and you know add on and you bolt on as as you seem appropriate. Uh, so. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how, how this, all these cards, I'm sure there's going to be some changes, but I'm, I'm hoping that aggro can be resuscitated. Okay, well, in terms of aggro, I've like been seeing stuff over the course of the last year or so, well, year, two years, basically. They've been seeding mono-black aggro. Like, they've been doing it for a while. Like, they've been giving us just a little bit out of each set. And I think we might be there. Uh, that 5-4 or that 4-5, what's this bastard called? This unreal three-mana hunted nightmare. <clears throat> One colorless, two black, menace. When hunted nightmare enters the battlefield, target opponent puts a death touch counter on a creature they control. So, whatever. One colorless, two black, four-five menace. That's pretty unreal, especially when you've got Rotting Regisaur. And then I saw there's also, like, I know it sounds weird, but there's this common called Serrated Scorpion. It's one mana, one two, and when it dies, it deals two damage, and you gain two life. And I think that might be one of the cards that's actually been missing from the deck, plus something that's going to be very useful in Sacrifice-type decks. Um, I don't know, man. I'm a little... I guess I'm a lot lower on, on that than you are. I mean... There's, remember the spawn of mayhem in standard that's currently in standard, and with spectacle you're paying three mana for a four-four flying trampler. Um, okay. You know that that that's still you know obviously can deal damage once at a certain point. Um. So I, I don't think that's that big of a deal when you've got as I say spawn of mayhem already and and rotting register. Okay. I mean you could be right there, but what about the serrated scorpion then? Is it like I know it's a common, but and a simple common, but those are good stats. One mana, one two drains for two when it dies. That's a really good common. Yeah, I think it's. I don't good. know. 
You think so, uh, well, in the, in the In the right shell. I don't think it's going to yeah. make Mono Black aggro a thing. Um, I think it's going to be a very good player in maybe the Black Red Sacrifice decks, maybe even the Jun Sacrifice yeah. decks. But I don't... Yeah. You know, Can how you see Ozob Sacrifice becoming a thing? Uh, could potentially. I mean, you've got things like the... I think the the cruel celebrant or whatever it is that white black uh, blood artist kind of effect you know that, yeah. so you do have some support for that in the format already um you know priests of the forgotten gods i think there were some ores of decks that popped up initially but i think the the core of those deck is still going to be the you know uh, cat oven synergies um so i don't know yeah. if this necessarily changes that to any extent i mean how much that really mm. makes the deck a lot more viable if it's really got something that powerful that's really going on and not seeing play but i think there are a lot of cool ores of cards in this set that could also enter that into that shell um and yeah, you know Bastion of Remembrance? I don't know if you guys have seen that. Uh, yeah, that's the, the enchantment that I think when you... When it enters the battlefield, you make a token. Yeah, Yeah, but then whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So, you know, it could speed up the clock on the Rakdos sacrifice decks out there, the Jun decks. It adds to the Ozov potentially being a human, like, you know, type of aristocrat-like build. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a, a human lord in Orzov as well. Right? Exactly. So I could potentially see some play there. And he's got a, an activated ability that requires you to sacrifice some dudes, I think. Exactly. So, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's definitely some synergies there. Whether or not it's good enough to compete with, I think, the power level that's going to occur in these, like, three or four or five-color green decks is another discussion entirely. I mean, speaking about these trilands, mm -hmm. um, I, I think the... The green decks are pretty easily going to be able to slot a few of them into the existing shells. And they're forests as well. I mean, they have basic land types. So Nissa's going to be able to get extra mana out of these things. Um, so I think oh, they wait. could probably splash extra colors um, pretty I easily. I did not realize that. I did not realize yeah. they were basic yeah. land types as well. Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. I mean, that's in standard, I think Nissa is the only real relevant thing that interacts with that. Um, but in eternal format, they are potentially fetchable in, in modern. So I don't know if any of the three color decks there would want to use them. Um, I think in Pioneer, it's pretty easy to include the Sultai one straight away because the Sultai mana is absolutely terrible. And in the Delirium decks, it's the cycling is a nice way to be able to get a land into your graveyard for you know Traverse and Emrakul and those kinds of things. But um, sorry, I'm straying a bit from the topic. But for standard, um, I think they're pretty cool. And I don't think we're quite at the point where we're going to have four and five color control decks like we did back in Lawwin standard. You know, I don't think the mana is that good. I mean, we don't have like Reflecting Pool and Vivid Land, so it's going to be difficult to to play some of these bigger, splashier spells. But I think the mana is going to push us more, just the available mana is going to push us more towards four and five color decks to some extent. Okay. And yeah. I think aggro the... is dead completely. You think aggro is just completely dead? I, That's I do not... not want to play aggro in this format, looking at some of these cards. I yeah, that's a lot of how I feel. Yeah. But also, I think, like, you know, like a mono blue tempo deck could come back kind of thing. You know, when you're looking at C-Dash, Octopus, and Voracious Great Shark. But I don't know if they'll be good enough, like, even with Brazen Borrow and stuff like that. But they, they are good, cheap cards. There is potential for a quick tempo-y kind of deck, you know, to break through all of this nonsense like just i'm just gonna yeah. call it nonsense yeah it's, but, it is, it's definitely nonsense yeah <laughs> what do you guys <laughs> think of mutate karan just um, as a mechanic it's interesting um it's different for sure uh, i guess changes the way one um 
one looks at at at, uh, at magic one or, or the way one approaches it the fact that you know it's essentially you look at these creatures as, as sorcery spells look at them as sorcery spells or, or enchant creatures even if you want yeah. yeah it's almost it's almost like bestow um and so in 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 essence you know you kind of get haste you kind of get these abilities with haste um, that's which, which makes that it quite, gonna be big yeah which makes it quite quite interesting um so you know it, it, you know if you look at there's a there's a the the, the jeskai one and yeah. you know sort of reminds me of mantis rider um yep. you know slightly more expensive mantis rider when you mutate it but um, you know, it's 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 pretty pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. I, I just think that a lot of these things are a little bit um, underpowered compared to what's happening in standard at the moment. Um, and all these great mutate cards tend tend to be, um, you know, you spend all this mana and your opponent ether gusts, you know, for two mana. And, and maybe ether gust is just is just part of the biggest part of culprit at the moment, and that it shuts down. Ethergust and Mystical Dispute shut down all five of these Apexes. Like either um, one, either, either Ethergust or Mystical Dispute. Like we'll sure. deal with them. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And, and it's just so efficient. It, it's so efficient and such a tempo blowout when you're trying to play sort of kind of fair and, you know, do these things with these mid-rangey type of creatures and your opponent just, you know... Um, can either gust into a I don't know into a Nissa or a whatever it is. Elspeth conquers dead and just just deals with it. So you know these all these kind this mutate cycle might um, might might shine later on. You know once some rotation happens. Um, but but there were a couple of the mutate guys that I thought were were were, were pretty interesting. Um, the the one that uh, destroys. Um, it's a disenchant. It's a disenchant uh, four four um, mutate. So okay. yeah, mutates uh, for double green and a color and a colorless. Yeah, um, that I good. thought would yep. be pretty useful. Pretty useful sideboard card. You can play that main deck. It's like three and a green for a four four with reach and trample. You know, that's yeah, yeah. It's not bad exactly stats, you know, just, just up front, uh, and then you know added benefit of being able to pay three to destroy, you know, disenchant something, but then also give the creature you're mutating onto reach or trample or turn it into a 4-4 with reach and trample as well. It's a bit smaller, you know, so that's... I mean, you just put that in a red-green deck, like, you've... Yeah, you've already done a lot because you've got your little 1-1s and 2-2s, you know, attacking early on, and then you just play this, and now your 1-1s are 4-4, trample, reach. Maybe you put it on a creature with first strike or something... Or yeah, like this is silly. Like you can mutate on turn three, and attack. Like so, turn one you play fervent champion. Turn two, you play whatever you want. And turn three you mutate this onto fervent champion. Oh no, that's a human, is it? Yeah, but something. Yeah. There must be something else like that you could like scorch spitter. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yep. Keeps the scorch spitter ability. You know, <laughs> so it still pings them for one when it attacks. See, that's where I think stuff is silly. Like, that's where, like, that's why I think, like, C Dash or Octopus in particular, that one has my, like, ah, just because of the two mana mutate cost. I think oh, cheap mutate yeah. costs yeah. are going to have a big impact in this 
you know, in in this format. Like, if if mutate's going to have a chance against the super powerful standard that we're already in, I think it's going to be the cheaper ones. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned. Well, I did. I've mentioned the C dash octopus, but I haven't said what it does. It's one colorless, two blue, two two flash. When this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Um, and then its mutate cost is one colorless, one blue. So obviously reminiscent of Ninja of the Deep Hours. Very similar card. Basically, mm. you want to just attack with a creature, like a flying 1-1. One, one. <laughs> like, you play Siren... Well, not a Siren Storm Tamer, but you play a similar 1-1 one, one on turn 1. You attack on turn 2, flash this, and draw a card, deal 2 damage. Feel pretty good about yourself. The only... Well, actually, yeah, if you mutate it onto a creature with flying, it's got flying. So... That's pretty good. <laughs> it's it's yeah, actually okay. yeah. I mean, we, sorry, Karen, Karen, stuff. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, and these like flash style decks as well. I mean, you can just hit them with your one one flyer, hold up counter magic, and they don't do anything. In step, you just flash mutate in your octopus onto this thing, and then you untap and you got a curious obsession on your creature, or you know turn yeah. it into an injured debuff. So it's the the flash is what really makes this exceptional. Um, mm. That you can do it on in step or you know, in combat as well to potentially grow your creature if need be. Um, which I think it, it has an edge over some of the other mutate cards, which are all sorcery speed and you know much more expensive. Uh, well, I think there's one other shock that also has flash yeah, that you, you know, the, mutate. The voracious great shock. Oh no, no, not that. Uh, there was another, but there was another shock. Yeah. Yeah, but it's terrible. I think I don't know. Uh, actually, no, it's um, I can't know. It's like a. Uh, you may return target creature. Yeah, it's a bounce one. So yeah, it's a mana. That's not bad, but four, mutate cost is four, four, four. So you know, it's not not as fantastic as you know the, the octopus is so yeah this definitely um lends a bit more uh weight to your theory that there might be like a mono blue tempo deck i just i can't keep track of what's still in standard in terms of like small <laughs> evasive blue creatures you know whether or not that's something that's actually viable um or even you know sailors still around yeah that's still around. someone pointed out the other day that arclight phoenix is still in standard i don't know how <laughs> that's legal <laughs> it's been like a year and a half since that came out but Anyway, standards massive. Um, so there's there's definitely a whole bunch of things that we can take advantage of. But the octopus yeah. is really, really cool. Yeah. Have you guys taken a look at the Mythos um, cycle there? Yeah, I had a look at the Mythos cycle. Um, I actually really like a couple of them. I think the green and the black ones are very, very good. Um, yeah, the black yeah. one's unreal. <laughs> like, it's so crazy. good. Three mana, instant speed. Oh, let me read it out because some people might not know what it is. So it's Two and a black instant, destroy target non-land permanent if it's a creature spell or if it's a creature, or if uh, green-white was spent to cast the spell. So you just pay two and a black instant, you destroy a creature. Um, and if you spend the full Abzan mana, you know, black, white, and green, then you get to destroy any non-land permanent at instant speed with, you know, no drawback. Just the mana cost. Yeah. Which is I mean, quite that's nifty. A, that's strictly better Oblivion Ring. <laughs> like... Yeah, well, you can't break magic online with two of these, right? <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. But like, you know what I mean? Like, three mana, get rid of a permanent, like forever. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. Okay. Yeah, and then so it's just very good on rates, even the, just without spending the the green and the white. So I think just two and a black instant destroy creatures pretty good. Um, obviously, yeah, we've got splashable. things like um, yeah, exactly. Obviously, we've got things like murderous rider in the format and swift end, um, which is you know a bit more versatile, and it can also hit planeswalkers. But like you said, it's not as splashable as this might be. And then obviously if you're in a three-color deck or four-color deck and you can take advantage of the, the extra mana cost here, you can just blow up, you know, Planeswalkers or, you know, other pesky enchantments or artifacts. So I think that's quite awesome. 
Uh, I think that's going to be one of the defining cards in standard going forward. Um, the other one is Mythos of Brokos. Or Brokos. Brokos. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. Which is uh, two uh, generic and then green-green for a sorcery. Um, which says if blue-black was spent to cast the spell, search your library for a card, put that card into your graveyard, then shuffle your library. And then the default text is return up to two permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand, which is just insane. Like, it's four mana, and if you spent the soul time mana as well, you just get to entomb something and then regrow it, and then also, you know, just, just get something yeah, else back from your graveyard. So it's like a demonic tutor plus regrowth in standard. Obviously, it's four mana, it's a sorcery thing, so it's, it's you know, it's got some restrictions. Yeah, it's it's in green and blue, so you're going to have four mana on turn three anyway. <laughs> like yeah. it, and you're going to have the ability to fix or splash for these colors, so... Um, I think grindy mid-range green decks are about to get a whole lot grindier and mid-range, more mid-range. So. Yeah, this with Nissa is already an issue. Like, also you've got like um, the thorn, the the elemental of thorns, whatever. I can I never get it right? <laughs> thorn uh, elemental. The, yeah, <laughs> not, not the, thorn the, elemental. Cavalier. Yeah. Cavalier <laughs> of thorns. There we go. That's the one. Um, you know, putting stuff in your graveyard anyway. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think you quite you could be right. The four mana is potentially an issue there, but maybe not. What do you think, Karan? What are you What are you looking at with these mythos? Anything that? Uh... Yeah, that's how it says. Double demonic tutor is um, it's uh, pretty good. It's pretty. It's I, I think I think I think that's going to be a fine card. Um, a fine exploitable card. Yeah, the entire cycle seems okay, and uh, I think we'll. You know, I have a, have a purpose at some point um, to play, but yeah, like spot removal as a as a just spot removal generally doesn't doesn't see a lot of play um, in standard at the moment. It's just the nature of, of of the format, right? Like, think about all the decks in standard and what removal spells are currently being used. So even though this mythos of whatever the black mythos is is great and it, you know kills something. Um, it's it's it might have a you might have a difficult time at the moment with all the value oriented uh, permanents that are seeing play. So you know if Cavalier Cavalier of Thorns or has has come into play and now you spend three mana to kill it, okay, great. But you know that person that opponent has already ramped up the land and then um, on Cavalier's uh, when it departs he gets another card. You know so the advantage is already there. So I guess yeah. it's it's tricky. It's, I don't think it like that's the problem. I think you could have um, all these great these are great spells, and I, I just think these ETB abilities um, you know or, or, are a problem. You know or, or Hydro Crisis. Your opponents have drawn a bunch of cards of Hydro Crisis. Okay, great. Now you've killed it, but you're still behind on cards. You know. Mm. So I think that's that's kind of part of the challenge with these these sort of spells with the with the spot removal um, spells, and that's why Ethergust shines. Is that again going back to Ethergust? You know, it can deal with the um, the permanent before it hits its uh, hit, hits play. So it doesn't get any advantage. That's fair enough. Is yeah. The yeah, mythos, so. yeah. Is the mythos of Snapdax at least something you might be looking at in terms of something that does get you more value, that does kill more stuff, or you know, its mana? Yeah, I mean, this this type of a this type of ability is um, typically better when it's has, not a creature. Well, no, no, no. These type of abilities from time to time work, right? And it's often a, a decent, usually a decent sideboard option um, in certain, you know, in certain types of matchups. 
So when you you typically have, I remember the last time something like this was quite good was uh, probably um, was green white green white tokens or maybe it was like Abzan a few years ago. There was the five mana version of this. Um, yeah, tragic yeah, origins. Yeah, so yeah, tra- tragic origins. That's right. That's where you Yeah, yeah. So so um, something that I'm sure we'll see some play and definitely see some sideboard play uh, at some point. Yeah, yeah, I agree with so that. What, I just don't know what deck would want to want to play it at the moment. So, like I said, there's no like Mardu shell right now that really wants to take advantage of this. But um, if if we do hit the way of like a very aggressive or you know um, low cost Mardu aggro deck or whatever they place in the battlefield quite often, or just something that's I suppose more tempo positive, so you can get a decent advantage early on and then use this to sort of prevent your opponent from developing even further. I mean, that might be something. If you play this with a Mayhem Devil out, that's a lot of triggers. Yeah, that's a very good point. <laughs> hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I just thought of it now. So, I mean, there's some potential there. I was originally thinking Doom Foretold. That could be, you know, a place that it could possibly go. But, yeah, I think your call of the green mythos being the strongest one might, might actually be true. Karan, what else are you looking at in the sets? What's what's got your eye? What are you actually excited to play with? Um, well, look, maybe not as ex- another exciting card, but a, uh, a strictly powerful card is um, efficient card. Uh, is is Heartless Act, which is the new sort oh, of yes. uh, you know the new uh, Doomblade um, uh, type effect. Um, so the, it's a black colorless instant, uh, and it says destroy target creature. That has no counters on it, or um, remove uh, three counters, which is you know, which is pretty useful. So it's 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 probably the best, you know, uh, one of the best Doomblades ever made. Um, yeah. So that that's going to be, I think, we'll see play across the board in um, basically all formats um, to yeah. some extent. So that's that's pretty something pretty exciting, I guess. You can get rid of like a small Hydro Crisis or. Killer Nissa land, which is quite nice. You just remove three of the counters from it. So it's got pretty good applications in standard over and above just killing most creatures, you know, because a lot of them aren't going to have counters on them. So that's yeah, yeah. You can also put a ca- you can also put a counter on your creature in response to them trying to kill a creature. So there does, you know, like it, it has uh, unique counter plays to it now, uh, especially because of all the keywords counters that now exist in the set where you can put a trample counter on something or you can put a death touch counter on something so i think there's a few things that can do that at instant speed so if someone tries to use this on one of your creatures they go destroy target creature with no counters on it you quickly put a counter on it to fizzle the spell so i think yeah it starts like i think it's a really good spell in that it starts opening up lines of play for both sides of you you know it's a really good removal spell and it's one that starts creating unique uh, modes of play yeah, yeah so, I don't know how many of those effects are at instant speed, but yeah, sorry, Karan, go ahead. No, as you say, I, I think this this type of effect will shine in, um, shine in, in probably shine in aggressive, more aggressive shells. Um, yeah. In standard well, anyway. Yeah, just 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 that you know, uh, allowing you to try and really max punish your opponents when you curve out and clear the way, um, sort of efficiently. I think I think in, it it will have some good applications. That being said. Again, it, it could still be a fine addition and um, in your more controlling decks. And who knows? Maybe 
maybe it's the kind of thing that will um, help um, blue black blue black style control decks um, um, become uh, relevant again. But, but haven't they had you know two mana removal? Have they? That, that that deals with a lot of stuff like um like drown of the lock and what's the other one that's scorn tyrant scorn. They they're not as good as this obviously, but they both do the job. Like it's not like they haven't had the options. Yeah, but drowning the lock, you need to jump through hoops to to make it work, right? Like it's not I, I it's not reliable. It's not reliable, and the same with the the tyrant scorn. Uh, you know, it doesn't hit everything. It doesn't hit. You know, so again, you're playing with these cards that are situational. Um, with this kind of answers most things that you'd you'd want to deal deal with. So. Yeah, I'm not saying blue black is is viable all of a sudden because of it, but it's possible that it's, it's this is a kind of card that will help um, a blue black or Esper style um, control deck. Or, or young mono re- mono black aggro, we'll see. Okay. Um, <laughs> I actually quite like uh, the best cancel ever, which is if you're looking at Mythic Spoiler right next to Heartless Act, neutralize one colorless, two blue counter target spell, cycling two. I mean, personally, I think. Like other than uh, what was it the 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 rare counterspell that's in disallow. Like other than that, I think yeah, neutralize is kind of the best three mana counterspell. Hmm. Are you guys? That's interesting. <laughs> like that's just interesting. just being able to cycle, you know, it gives it such versatility. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, it's a lot better than a lot of the other cancels we've seen. I don't know if it's necessarily better than Sinister Sabotage. Um, I think Surveil okay. is quite relevant on that. Um, but yeah, I suppose sure. if it's dead or if you draw it late in the game and you know they, you know, you, just, you can cycle it immediately if you want to try and find a more specific answer to something that's already in play or another threat. So it's got some good, good play patterns there. And cycling is just one of my favorite mechanics ever. So it's pretty cool to see that you know on more cards. Um, I don't think we've had a cycling counter spell. Um, uh- Sensor. Mis- miscalculation. Miscalculation. Yeah. And then there's Miscalc- also... Way before my time, Kieran, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. I actually got quite excited because I saw, I think when this was spoiled initially, I saw it on Twitter or something. So I only saw like half the card before I clicked on the image. So I saw like Count Tog Spell Cycling 2 and I got excited. And then I saw that it cost <laughs> what it costs. <laughs> got a bit less excited. But um, is blue yeah, control... Good. I mean, blue-white control was supposedly the best deck in the format, and that lasted very, very, you know, a short amount of time, and then it got, you know, usurped by this Teemo adventure I mean, that... deck, Black Red Sacrifice. So maybe going forward, you know, do you think that control is going to be a big player? I don't know, man. Um, I would say in limited, this is just a decent card, and like I think it's a good counter spell. Does like our counter spell is going to be good at the moment? I don't know if a three-mana counter spell is going to be good. Like, not in a world of Aether Gusts, not in a world of Dovin's Vetoes. You know, that's the thing. If you're playing blue-white, you kind of have the specific tools that you want to be playing. But, you know, this does capture everything. But this, actually, this could, like, because I have found that Sinister Sabotage isn't necessarily good enough. Like, it's good. Like, it's a good counterspell. But when I have it in a deck... Sometimes, yeah, like I've got it in my hand and I would rather be drawing a card at the end of turn, you know? Like if it's on turn two and I 
definitely, and I know, like, you know, I'm not going to be, if I've got, A, another counter spell in my hand, like Dovin's Veto, which I can keep up, or Mystical Dispute, which I can keep up, I can just cycle this at the end of the turn anyway, and keep up that mana to counter, or on turn three, now I can just keep this up to counter, or cycle it away. So, damn, like, it actually really could be useful in Standard. I, w I wasn't really thinking of it being in Standard, but if I more think about it, the potential with it, just the fact that you can keep up a counterspell or like a straight counterspell, not a counter unless your opponent does this, counter target spell. That's it. That's what it says. And if not, draw a card. So yeah, that could be useful. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite versatile. Karan, your thoughts? Are you there, Karan? Can you guys, uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, I'm here, but... Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. You can? Okay, cool. Cool. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, I, don't, I think yeah, I think the internet just dropped for a... It was weird. I don't know. It is weird. But yeah, I could hear <laughs> you guys. I heard everything. I just couldn't... You couldn't hear me for some reason. Oh, man. That's like uh, being a ghost in the sixth sense. <laughs> Until Bruce Willis oh, yeah. comes along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Have you, have you listened to any of the podcasts you guys have put out? Can you actually hear Kiran's voice in any of them? Just Bob talking to himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That would be... Oh, I'm surprised we keep getting listeners, you know? Yeah, okay. Bob, you're the Bruce Willis of the situation. <laughs> oh, man. Damn, dead all along. I, I know, that would match how I feel inside. But uh, <laughs> let's, get, let's get back to the magic talk. Uh, Karan, what do you think of Neutralize? Do you want to play this card? Is it, or is it three mana counter spell just not something you want to be doing? Two thousand years later. I, I think it'll show up. I think people will try. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to be the um, playing Neutralize at this at this moment in time. No. Um, however, I think it's great as a as a card. I, I still think it's great, and um, it will definitely see some play during its time in standard. Cool. So what, what else are you looking at in like the uncommons range there, you know, the stuff that's going to be staples? Like, what do you think is going to have an impact in standard stuff that's going to just immediately get into the decks? There's, there's that card um, with Mutate, uh, Parcel Beast. Uh, I, think it's, I think that's what it's called. Um, okay. And it's, it's got Mutate. It's a 2-4 and it's got Mutate for um, a blue and a green, I believe. And its, um, its ability is uh, one tap tap a creature, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land, put it into play. Otherwise, put it into your hand. Um, and I think that's that's a pretty abs absurd um, um, ability. So I think I think that one's you know again another blue green uh, blue green card that um, will yeah, strengthen those those ramp decks. At some point, you just like there's no space left. So whatever they can keep printing good blue green cards, whatever <laughs> it's just going to be good. This someone else must make the decisions what goes. Like at some point, you can actually just pick any like ten blue green. Well, what would it be? Yeah, like any ten blue green rares basically, and put them together and put a deck together, and there you go. You you can play standard now. Like I, I that's that's where we're getting to. Well, they, yeah, they're constantly but, banning them, right? So you can sort of cycle through. <laughs> like it doesn't matter which blue or green cards you play. 
Well, to be fair, to be fair, there is a constraint, and that's you know, if you want to maximize this, you need to be playing cheap creatures, you know, one drops preferably. Um, yeah. And 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 typically in those green style midrangey decks, you're not playing one drop. So it, I think it's a great card, but it does require a different approach um, to what we've seen, what we've seen currently. Um, so yeah, I, I like the look of it. I don't know if it's going to pan out, you know, as as well as I sort of think it could. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely a powerful ability. I mean, it's basically like a coiling oracle, um, you know, yeah. green-blue, with that ability, obviously, a custom mana, and, you know, it's repeatable, which is quite nice. But I can see it as maybe a sideboard option in the green-blue decks, especially against some more aggressive decks. You know, if you can mutate your one-drop or your early creature into a 2-4, you know, it blocks pretty well, and then has this repeatable card advantage engine sort of staple to it. So maybe maybe not starting in the main deck as or in high numbers but you know could, mm. could play a role um or yeah. if the format shifts to be more aggressive you know you could see this popping into main decks um as a way to sort of roadblock people but but it's a cool ability um yeah especially in limited this is going to be ridiculous you can see that being quite <laughs> powerful yeah i think oh, mutation yeah. general is going to be powerful and limited because from what I understand, like I went through, like I've watched videos, I've listened to other people talk about it. I think I kind of understand how it works and I'm just going to let Arena do it when I, like I do it and then try and play in paper. But like from what I understand, if I play the creature and they kill my creature, I still get the, like the mutated creature in play, right? Well, if they kill the target in response, then yeah. Yeah. Your mutated creature will just enter the battlefield. You won't get the mutate triggers, obviously, but they'll still right. just show up as normal creatures because you are casting the spell. Um, mutate so, is just an alternate cost. Yeah. Okay, so that's the thing. At some points, you can actually get it in for cheaper if need be. <laughs> if they kill your creature in response, yeah. Um, yeah, but, or you could stack something, like if you don't need the creature underneath. Like, depend, you know, like... Yeah, Cornic sure. scenarios. Yeah, as long as it's not a legal target, yeah, it'll it'll still jump into play. But unlike bestow, if the creature that it's being mutated onto is killed while it's mutated, you know, if they're both on the battlefield, um, it won't jump into play like the bestow creatures used to. This will just both they'll both go to the graveyard in that instance. So you don't get any value out of it that way. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what what but cards are you looking at? Your trigger. Yeah. What what cards are you looking at putting straight into the Exavesh? Uh, well, I haven't played standard in like two months, but okay. <laughs> so well, really we could spread into a deck, modern. but things I've got my eye on. Uh, okay. Well, I don't know exactly what I'd want to play in modern. Some of the the humans, the lands, might, no, I wouldn't no. touch humans with a ten foot pole. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, keeping my eye on standard, yeah, I haven't really played it that much. But I think some of the cards that are going to make a big impact are the ultimatums. Um, Okay. There's a, a new cycle of five of those, which uh, we haven't seen in a while. I think the last time they were printed was in like Shards block. Um, and they each cost like seven mana, and they're each one of the wedge colors, I guess. So, you know, Abzan, Timo, yeah. Jeskai, you know, whatever. Um, and they all have very, very big sort of game ending or game changing effects. Um, and I think they're actually quite a bit more powerful than the previous like iteration of these things. Well, I think Cruel Ultimatum from from back in the day was the most powerful of the five um and like if you look at the the power level of these things now like across the board they've just been sort of ramped up um yeah they're like at least you, that level yeah exactly so I, I don't think anything's on the like quite on the level as cruel ultimatum in terms of just being completely backbreaking for your opponent 
But um, the Mardu one's quite interesting, a ruinous ultimatum. That's red, yeah. red, white, 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 black, black, sorcery, destroy all non-land permanents your opponents control. I mean, we're currently playing in a standard format where, um, uh, what's what's it called? The, the green black. No, the, the green black sorcery. It's gone completely blank. Uh, that destroys like a land and. Marsh casualties. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. no. Casualties of war. Casualties, casualties of war. Of war. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's, yeah. yeah. That destroys like one of each permanent type. You're not always getting the full, you know, sweep. And it's still, you know, even if you can destroy a land, a creature, an artifact, or an enchantment, you know, that's backbreaking. That's sort of generally puts you in a very favorable position to win the game. This just destroys all of your opponents on land permanence for like one more mana. So it's yeah. it's quite a lot more powerful than what we're seeing. Obviously the color restrictions are there, but in those green decks you probably saw, I suppose, in this, hopefully you're not playing this in a green deck, but in, uh, with the well, mana fixing that we hopefully will have to some extent. It depends. Extent, I mean, if, you you're, know, if you're playing Dried of the Elysian Grove, like... You know, all your lands become whatever you want yeah, them to. Yeah, right. that's in standard now. Sorry, I haven't really thought about that in like a standard context. But yeah, that's, that's, that's a very that cool. I think Chromatic Lantern are both in standard at the moment as, you know, all around color fixing if people do want to get into five color shenanigans. Yeah, I don't know right. if there's the payoff for it, but there's, you know, a lot of powerful cards in a lot of different colors. And Maybe like I mean there there are potent there's potential for five color decks. Like I'm sure the mana mana is there. It's just whether they can keep up with some of the three color decks that are out there, or if we'll just see four colors becoming the standard way to play. I could just picture it now. I could I could picture um you know uh the the, the dryad uh, I don't know into Teferi into um ruinous ultimatum you know those kind of <laughs> silly, silly speed, things happening. Yeah. Yep yep I could just see it. Yeah, oh, in your ultimatum, you like, oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, compare that to like, the, I'm looking at the old ultimatums now. I just pull them up. Like, violent ultimatum was the Jund one from back in the day. Similar mana cost and just destroy three target permanents. So there's a, a big gap. Yeah. Headlands and so on, but like seven mana destroy three versus seven mana, you know, decimate your opponent's board. Um, that's quite a big jump in power level, I think. But looking at the other ones, the 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 Saltar one, Emergent Ultimatum, that's also pretty interesting. That's like black, black, green, 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 blue, blue. And search your library for up to three mono-colored cards with different names. Exile them. An opponent chooses one of those cards, shuffle that card into your library, and then you can cast the other two without paying their mana costs. And you exile the sorcery. So there's, uh, I don't know if there's any combo potential in standard. You know, I'd have to have a look at all the possible, you know, available sets and see what you can do. But I'm sure you, someone can figure out some shenanigans. You know, things like um, Command the Dread Horde in the format, you know, that's a pretty big effect on a, you know, single-colored yeah. card. You combine that with something else. Uh, oh, I'm wow, sure yeah. there's ways to sort of take advantage of that. Um, I don't know if there's a way to exile cards from your library in Standard. I don't know if you can get Jace and something else that, you know, mulls yourself or something to that effect, and that might be able to, you know, present some combo potential. But, yeah, I think across well, the board well, they're pretty... Kethis is in the format. I mean... Like, I don't know how much that would actually pay off with this, but I was just thinking, like, getting stuff into the graveyard is valuable there. But this this can just actually, you just get the cards you need directly, and then you're yeah. good to go. This is probably going to do something in Commando, right? I'm sure there's ways you can, <laughs> multiple cards you can fetch and just win the game on the spot. But No, exactly. Like, you can play this in any Saltai deck. Like, that's the problem with some of these ultimatums, is they are going to go into, like, any deck with those colors in Commando, but... 
that's how they're making magic cards these days anyway. That's, I think, kind of why you see a lot of what you see in Standard these days as well, is because they want that crossover with Commander. So I think that's why these ultimatums look the way they do. I mean, Airy Ultimatum is straight up a Commander card. Return any number of permanent cards with different names from your graveyard to the battlefield. Like, that can work, I guess, in Standard, but that's a Commander card, straight up. Well, what what if you play it in conjunction with Mythos of Brokos or whatever that thing is, where you go and tutor up the cards that you want, throw them in your graveyard, and then bring them back to play? You know, assuming that there's some reasonable combination of, of cards in Standard that do something powerful when they come into play together. And you're um, spending a lot of mana to do that. Well, over sure. multiple turns, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> one turn. But yeah, this yeah. could just slot into like an ab, some random Abzan mid-range reanimator deck, you know, just sort of a value-oriented deck. It doesn't necessarily have to be a combo deck, but uh, obviously yeah. there, okay. there could be interactions as well, yeah. So you guys think just being able to get, yeah, like, so for seven mana, just being able to get any permanence from the graveyard to battlefield is worth it? Yeah, any number of permanents with different names, though. Because that's the thing, yeah. we've already got Commander Dreadhorde, which does a similar thing. It's not the same because you can't bring just permanents, it's creatures or planeswalkers, and you take the damage. But, you know, that's easier to cast. Like, and for that effect, you know, essentially it gets from your, gra- your opponent's graveyard as well. So, wouldn't that just be stronger at the moment? Or yeah, is the... except the, the, the damage clause is the problem. I mean, Commander Dreadhorde was dominating standard for a, for a bit, and then, you know, we lost the uh, explore package, and that's what, that was the, you know, that's what allowed you to uh, play Commander Dreadhorde. So, you know, Command is still a fine card, but we don't have the, a, a life gain engine to um, facilitate that at the moment. So, I mean, this is, I think it's fine. I think it's a fine card. Okay. I mean, can, can you imagine your opponent casts Runus Alt 2 and... <laughs> You respond with eerie ultimate in the next turn. That that seems okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, as long as they haven't Teferi did the, you know, the Runus ultimatum, and done it at the end of your turn, then then, then you should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh shenanigans, shenanigans galore. Um, do you think this whirlwind of thought? Oh, that's an enchantment. I thought it was a creature because it looks like a creature. Uh, there's no way that can be played in standard. I think. One colorless Jessica, whenever you cast an on-creature spell, draw a card. That's a powerful effect. I think the Teemo one's a lot better. Um, whatever it's called. Let me look for it now. The Song of Creation. Song of Creation, yeah. I mean, the Jessica one's cool. I mean, but how, how much are you able to abuse the that, that effect? And oh, often it's... you're going to play it. Yeah. I mean, maybe I mean, you get like one or two cards out of it, but... Uh, well, do you what really about the enchantment to... synergies? Like, just the constellation stuff, essentially, you can maybe... Like, that could maybe be the thing um, where it would work, is in decks that are playing lots of enchantments, so you're drawing cards. Uh, I guess you don't really need to. So, it would, like, that blue-red enchantment that gives you the fairies, but that's such a slow way to do things. But the thing is, every time you're, cre- you're countering something, you're drawing a card. That's pretty powerful. But four mana for that, is that worth it? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you, when are you going to play this? I mean, you're going to tap out on turn four to play this. Obviously, you'd want to hold up an interactive spell or do something a bit more proactive on those turns. Um, if yeah. you're playing Jeskai, you're probably playing more of a controlling deck. Um, I don't know if you need the additional card advantage. Obviously, it's it's 
you know, yet to be proven. If you see it in play, it's probably going to snowball out of control pretty quickly. But if you want to do completely broken things, Song of Creation is obviously a lot better, but that's a different style of deck and obviously requires yeah. you build your deck in a particular way. Um, but Whirlwind of Thoughts, yeah, definitely a powerful effect. But like you said, it's it's slow. Um, obviously, it's not going to be very good in the rights or in certain matchups. It's going to be very dependent on where the format is. And if it's very slow and, you know, control-based, perhaps this, this is a, a reasonable way to combat that, you know, just gain this incremental card advantage over the course of the game. Uh, but four mana is pretty steep, though, um, to not immediately affect the board in, in standard. Exactly, because the Song problem. of... In, in relation to Song of Creation, um, Song of Creation, you can at least play that extra land immediately on turn four. So that does give you just this extra advantage immediately when you play it. And at the beginning of the end step, discard your hand. Not so great, though, but... Yeah. <laughs> Minor drawback. Um, yeah, so that's, but I mean, depending on what you're trying to do anyway, that could be okay. Like, if you've got, like, errors in hand, whatever, you can just get them back. So that's not such a bad thing. But that is a drawback. Like, I mean, that that's not, like, not a... No, it's definitely not trivial, yeah. But if you could put that in something like the Teamer Adventures deck, I think it would go pretty well there, because you're playing a large number of spells per turn. You're generating an and insane mana advantage, generally. And if you cast your spells, they end, you draw cards off of them, but they're also in the adventure zone most of the time. So you can, you know, potentially okay, cast you. them for fair, even if you've discarded your hand. You know, presumably you've, or hopefully you've got something to do when you start your turn so that you're not drawing just, you know, completely dead off the top of your library. So you're having Uros in your graveyard or having some of their escape cards in your graveyard give you a way to sort of, um, you know, replace the card disadvantage or replace the cards that you would have discarded at the end of your last turn and then sort of, create this this chain reaction during your turn um, to sort of snowball. And then once you've got, well, I think if you're playing extra lands, if you can play things like Arboreal Grazers, because they put more lands into play so you can empty out your hand a bit more sooner. Yeah, you know, but then I don't know how you're winning those games. Maybe you want to draw your entire deck and then play like a Thassa's Oracle. But if you have to discard your hand, then if you draw a Thassa's Oracle too early, it's going to get discarded. So then... I don't know, maybe you could play Underworld Breach in a Song of Creation deck. I don't know if that's something that you could do. That could be interesting, like, if you're just going cheap spells to draw out your entire deck. Because, I mean, also a lot of the ramp stuff in these colors is under is cheap, you know, it's two to, two to three mana anyway. So a lot of the stuff you're playing, but I don't know, like, I, I just don't know if it's worth it, like, to not have, a, like, you're, like... There's good combo potential here, essentially. There's a good way to really do something broken. Just what's the end result? Maybe through the breach actually might work with, like, yeah, with a few cheap spells and you just keep repeating them. I don't know. <laughs> it's an interesting yeah, under, card, under, that's under for sure. <laughs> through Sorry, the breach what did is, I say? Yeah. Oh, breach. yes. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, but if you, like, if you're worried about discarding your, like, Thassa's Oracle, you could play... Uh, What's that new burn spell? Fire Prophecy that deals three damage to a creature. I think it's a creature, or maybe it's a planeswalker as well. And uh, then you can put a creature. card from your hand on the bottom of your library. So if you mm. draw your Thassa's Oracle, you get to burn something, tuck that on the bottom, and then you know draw your entire deck until you get to that. Um, someone posted something on Twitter. I think it was one of the American professional players. Um, posted a deck list that they drew up with Song of Creation, then a bunch of ramp elements and cheap spells. But then a cool blue uncommon that I hadn't heard of until then that point uh which is called ominous seas 
which is one in a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you draw a card, put a four shadow counter on ominous seas, and then you can remove eight counters from it to make an eight eight blue kraken creature token. And it's oh, also wow. got cycling numbers. So if you've got that in play and you're just churning through your deck with song of creation, drawing two cards every time you cast a spell, um, that could get out of hand pretty quickly. And that's a way to you know, present some sort of inevitability or you know pressure while also just generating this insane card advantage. So while you are potentially looking for another way to end the game, you can have these Krakens just sort of holding down the battlefield. Again, it's a bit slow, and it depends on what, what you can do to sort of rip through your library and how many cards you can draw a turn, but I can see that getting out of hand pretty quickly. So yeah, it's definitely some cool stuff going on. It's not just big monsters all over the place. Yeah, Karan, you got any thoughts there on either of those two, or any of the cycle of uh, the wedge enchantments of four mana there? Yeah, this the song. Uh, like so, I'm, I'm intrigued by it, and I think I think uh, it, it could be yeah, there's room for this card to be broken in, in, in older formats as well. Really interesting. Um, it's a, it's it's an engine. It's it's all in one. Um, and I, I mean, I could even picture picture some kind of storm deck with it. It's all you need. It's all you need. It's just yeah. the only card that you need. If you just have this and a bit so, of mana, you just go yeah, off. Yeah, because keeps drawing cards. Yep, interesting. Everything really interesting. Yeah, I'm just I'm just on the spoiler, and there's one card that I I didn't notice until now, and I thought maybe. Um, the noting is uh, the sky cap sovereign um which is a, a blue blue and a white for a one one flyer and it gets plus one plus one for each other creature you control with flying um, yeah. and on top of that it's a uh, two colorless a blue and a white create a one one flying cat bird um creature which i think is i mean it's, it's interesting. interesting i mean it's, it's yeah you've got that in, in m20 you've got um that three mana uh, spirit all other creatures with flying get plus one plus, plus one. one. So you'll have, mm-hmm. yeah. So you've you've got the two lords, got two in, lords in that now. blue white color. Yeah, which uh, is always something to take, you know, to uh, take uh, cognizance of uh, when you've got two lords and uh, there's some cheap, um, decent flying got, creatures around. You've got Safara, which I mean, I played that blue white flyers deck early on when it came out, and it was pretty good. Like you know, before other decks got way better than it. So who knows, you know, with a bit more added to the bunch, there could be, like, we've even seen, you know, the blue flash creatures as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, yeah. I agree with you. This looks really interesting. Yeah. I mean, especially yeah. because if, if you're going turn one Spectral Sailor, turn two, play this, you know, you've got yeah. this added two, two. Next turn, you play the Imperial, um, I, I'm not too sure what it's called, but the three mana Lord. You know, you're swinging. This would be a four-four. The other one will be two. You've already what dealt seven damage. Not too bad for turn three. Uh, yeah, and then the most most important, the most interesting thing about this is that it's it's paired with you know obviously being blue. You have access to Ether Gust and Mystical Dispute, um, <laughs> so you can just shut, you can very, shut down all the yeah. You can well yeah. I mean, if you even yeah, you can just shut down all the the big powerful spells of the mid range deck. So I think like. A little unassuming, but I think, yeah, maybe I just, I, we need to do some Googling and uh, I need to look up uh, what flyers are available in Standard because that's... I'm something to open up all the arena days. Yeah, I also hadn't noticed that until now, but I mean, and you've got the octopus in blue, right? So you're definitely playing that in this deck. Cause oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah, yeah, really yeah. And it makes one ones, you know, it's very similar to... There was an old blue-white rare, um, I think from the original Ravnica block, that looked pretty similar to this. Um, 
also like white and a blue for a flyer got bigger for all other flyers and then also i think it had four costs so you could reveal it to make one ones in your upkeep um okay. so it's actually quite yeah, similar, it sounds, but, sounds familiar yeah 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 classic blue white sky stuff so always good yeah yeah and i mean it's one of my favorite archetypes just in general like from back in the day like I, i've enjoyed playing it so if it's viable like i enjoyed when mono blue was a deck in standard i did very very well with that so I'd be I'd be keen I'd be interested if this is a viable strategy. Um, what do you guys think of the Mimius card in the set, uh, Shark Typhoon? <laughs> I think it's fantastic. <laughs> it's great. I haven't seen any of the Sharknado movies after the first one, but I've never uh, seen any of them. But I seen like, oh, okay, the first one is a is a true delight. It's terrible, but in all the right ways. Yeah. No, I very, appreciate very cool. I appreciate the meme. But I also think the card's pretty good. It's a pretty like, solid card, yeah. Like, even at six mana, like, you know, six mana enchantments, it's pretty expensive. But whenever you, and especially a six mana enchantment that doesn't do anything when it comes into play, if you're going to play it. Uh, but whenever you cast a non creature spell, create an XX blue shark creature token with flying, where X is that spell's converted mana cost. So that's just incredibly powerful straight off the bat. But here's where it gets interesting. It's got cycling X1 blue. When you cycle Shark Typhoon, create an XX blue shark creature token with flying. So it's essentially never bad. Except for like maybe on turn three, where you play it for one mana. Like as a 1-1 one, one flyer. Like a, that would be kind of the only time it's really terrible. If you need to make a land drop, you need to make a land drop, man. Just got to cycle these cards. But I mean, it's I inst- you can cycle it cool. at instant speed. You can. You can do that. So it even so gets around you, something like a Teferi, right? So if they play a Teferi on their turn three, they down to, to bounce something. Oh, At the wow. end of that turn, you still cycle this, put a 1-1 Shark into play, and then swing and kill it. Oh, and it's got flying. So obviously wow, get through I did not think of that. Blockers they've got. But that's also it's a very good finisher for a control deck. You know, that's yeah. not that we're in short supply, or they're in short supply. I mean, you've got things like Dream Trawler and other sort of control finishers in the format already. But... Um, this is pretty good, especially against opposing control decks, because once it's in play, if you can sneak it in, if you've got a Teferi or something, um, you just, you know, every single spell that you cast is going to make some sort of threat that they're going to deal with. So it's it's really quite quite good. Yeah, I like I didn't think of the yeah being able to like I thought cool cycling at instant speed, but I didn't think you'd be able to cycle it like at instant speed against Teferi. That is a game changer in my mind. Like that makes it a lot, lot better. Like it was already quite good, but that's really good. Like just that ability alone to be able to create a creature against its a fairy at the end of their turn, turn around and swing, kill. Yeah. That's yeah, and even later in the game, I mean, you're holding up counter magic. They have a fairy in play, or if they manage to play a fairy, uh, they can't know, counter it. It's, it's uncounterable. And then they can't counter this on the, you know, if you. That's oh, that's also a thing. It's uncounterable. And it scales pretty well with the rest of the game. You know, you can make a 5-5 five, five or a 6-6, six, six, you know, just out of nowhere, which is uncounterable as well because it's attached to a cycling effect. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I'm going to try this card first. Like, the, the like that's that's just it now. I have You're just going to do the mono blue deck <laughs> after all the cards well, we've been talking about. Well, this wouldn't go in that, but I think maybe a constellation type build could be interesting, just because I've already got like a really fun constellation deck that does powerful things, but you know isn't powerful enough. 
And so I want to try some of these new enchantments. I mean, they've seeded, you know, a lot of stuff in Theros, a lot of enchantment stuff, a lot of payoffs, and now they're giving us more enchantments. It is kind of what they do when it comes to magic sets. They don't necessarily give you all the tools to build the decks that you want to build with the set that comes out. A lot of the time, as time kind of goes on, you know, they will release more cards. And I think something, you know, like Shark Typhoon, there was also that other enchantment that Jeskai won, like you were, like I was bringing up earlier. Even though it's a do-nothing enchantment when you play it. You know, there could be, yeah, a Jeskai Constellation home in a way for these things. But maybe not. Maybe maybe I'm wrong in that regard. But I'd like to give it a try at least. But I think straight control is obviously where you would want to just put this in to start off with. If you weren't me. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, what do you guys think about the companion cards? <sighs> Do you I think mean, they're going to make any meaningful entry into standard? Yeah, I think there is um, what's there is that one that everyone's like, yeah, that one's definitely going up, but I can't remember what it's called right now. Give me a second. Let me get down here. The black-white one, I think, is quite good. In general, like, it is just going to change, you know, in the game of Magic, like, in a fairly meaningful way. The, like, you know, it's got deck-building restrictions and stuff, on how you're going to actually have to build your deck no matter what if you're going to play one of these and then you know from there it's does it become this thing where every deck has some of these you know every single time you're going to have a companion in your deck and you're just going to play it and it's just going to become repetitive that's where i think some people are a little bit scared but i mean i'm interested to see how they go I mean, that's basically what Commander is, right? Like, you've just always got access to this extra card that's sitting in the Command Zone. So this, yeah. I think, would function pretty similarly, but it can only cost once per game from, from your sideboard. So I don't think it's going to really ruin games of Magic and make it too boring or too repetitive or predictable in that way. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. I don't know if the payoffs of having these things in your sideboard and like building your decks in a particular way is really that big. Um, maybe the the black white one because you can just get repeatable value every single turn. You get a cost permanent card from your graveyard. Obviously with the CMC two or less. Um, so that could slot. Uh, people are looking at that for like eternal formats. Um, but I don't know if it's really going to be that good in standard if your standard deck consists only of permanents with CMC two or less. So yeah, and I, I think the way the the the, the risk as as you say like the risk of it you know. Um, the game, altering the game that we sort of play and love um, is has they try to mitigate that risk um, by by putting in these clauses, you know, whatever it is, whether it's playing cards of a certain mana cost or whatever the case is. Um, and, and that's why I think some of, some of the companions are probably just going to be casual sort of casual appeal type cards, but like, as you say, the, the black-white one, Luris of the Dream Den, I mean, that goes yeah probably goes straight into um straight into storm you know and in, in, in legacy yeah um it's like a, it's like a no-brainer in that that deck and and then this karuga the what's macro sage um probably goes straight into jeskai fires because like all their yeah. cards are three three mana or greater anyway um so you know the, the, there's there'll be the outlier and but and hopefully it doesn't cause it doesn't cause things um doesn't break the game as we know it. I mean, the reality is the game's been around for 27 years or whatever the case is, and 
they need to try new things to keep us, you know, keep it fresh and uh, keep us coming back for more. So I think we need to give um, give all wizards the benefit of the doubt here, and you know, hope hope that this is um, maybe just some some you know something casual and something fun that people will try out. But hopefully, uh, nothing too broken comes of it. I mean, it's not like they've made mistakes, you know, in the past or anything like that. We could you know mention from this very podcast like but this podcast hasn't even been around that long uh, we could bring up a long list of uh, wizard design mistakes lately so <laughs> yeah like <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean i'm big. i'm hoping it'll be okay and i think it will like just looking at you know the way the cards are you know worded and structured and stuff like that the restrictions aren't chilled you know like those yeah. are pretty hectic deck building restrictions in a lot of cases like this yorian sky nomad you're still like the three colorless and then it's blue white blue white like what well, other blue white hybrid you know it's hybrid mana uh so it's a four five legendary creature bird serpent companion your starting deck contains at least 20 cards more than the minimum deck size uh flying when it enters the battlefield exile any number of other non-land permanents you own and control return those cards to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step there is not a single constructed format that you can play this in like unless well, you want I mean, to play a card deck because you can't yeah, play well, it in the thing. you've got to you've got to like disrupt some basic assumptions that you've got about magic obviously i don't think i'm going to be brave enough to try playing an 80 card deck in any format but if you've got you know a reasonable number of cards with like etb triggers and good value cards like the like blue white panomonicon deck a few years ago that, that something like that would be pretty well suited to this and i guess but obviously you've got the, to take some risks i guess one of the things that this like you know doesn't have the restriction of that commander does is your deck doesn't have to just be these colors so with this you know, in theory, you could play it in um, a band color deck, and you could be playing stuff like Euro and Growth Spiral and, you know, anything like that, you know, just to get more, you know, just to make it worthwhile having more cards in your deck, you know, you churn through your deck quicker, whatever it is. But still, that's, yeah, that's what I mean, though. It's just a little bit ridiculous with some of these things that they, they're trying to make you do. Because, I mean, I would... I would play the deck if we could make a deck that's 80 cards and competitive in Magic, but it's never been done before for a reason, you know? You've never played Battle know. of Wits, have you? Other than yeah, that, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Other than <laughs> Battle of Wits, which is a 250-card <laughs> deck. Well, it's not impossible. I mean, I don't, don't know if you guys remember, um, a few years ago, must have been it's probably around 2015, give or take, Ben Rubin... Um, Played a registered sixty intentionally registered a sixty-three card deck at a Grand Prix and came like second or third. What was so, the intention? Did he like know that he? No, no, he he knew. Or? He said it was right. He worked out the numbers and he said sixty-three cards was correct for this deck and what it was trying to do. <laughs> so you know, uh, it's possible. I guess it's, yeah. what I'm saying is it's possible. It is possible. It's not unprecedented where people play like crazy numbers um and do well with it but yeah yeah that that's the thing i don't do the math i do the the guesstimate you know <laughs> i don't i don't i don't write stuff down and try and figure it out i just go yeah roughly that amount and then depending on how much i win or lose i figure out i was right or not <laughs> you sort of hold your lands in one hand your non-land cards in the other hand and sort of weigh them up 
figure out if there's enough survivor of them. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think Sam Black has also written uh, in the past about breaking this whole 60 card um, assumption, and not for any particular reason, other than you know maybe there is a reason to play more than 60 cards in some instances or in some formats where you want access to to more things. But um, I don't know if he's written anything recently about this particular card. But interestingly, it's probably easier to meet this restriction than it is for the other ones because you can just play any extra 20 cards in your deck and still have access yeah. to this and not to you know limit yourself to only even or odd converted mana costs or you know taking those kinds <laughs> of things into account. So you know, And you've always got access to a 5 and a 4-5 flyer that blinks all your things on turn 5. So not the end of the world but yeah i'm not gonna try it someone else braver than me can do that i'll just follow those suits (laughs) (laughs) um the last card i want to bring up is dire tactics it's ozov so it's one white one black instant exile target creature if you don't control a human you lose life equal to that creature's toughness pretty good removal i mean we've already got the doom blade so you know not necessarily like both cards have different uses, obviously, because those exiles and like they they look like they're making an Ors of Humans deck, so that's immediately going to go in there. But even in non-humans builds, do you guys see this potentially being used because it's two mana exile target creature? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the life loss obviously it depends what you're targeting with this thing. But if you don't have a human, you could probably deal with a few points of life just for the raw efficiency of the card. I mean, two mana exile yeah. things pretty pretty strong um i think you can deal with a particular drawback obviously it's got its limitations but and also if you want to do it early enough you've got to make sure you have access to both colors and mana so that might be a bit difficult in some some decks that you're trying to play it in but uh yeah that's it's a very good removal card and i think like you said there is a there seems to be a, a black white humans deck that's being pushed i mean if you look just below that on, on the spoiler that i'm looking at yeah general Kudrow. general Kudrow of Dranath, you know he seems like a pretty pretty solid guy um yeah i mean and a 3-3 human lord with like two relevant abilities so there's definitely support for that archetype so and like you said earlier if you've got these aggressive decks and these cheap black removal spells like heartless acts um can sort of help you maintain that tempo and keep the board clear and help you push through damage this obviously fits right into that mold as well so well the humans thing is I mean, potentially there, it could be a bit too janky, but you've got Hero Precinct 1, and you just go Hero Precinct 1 on turn 2, turn 3, General of Kudra of Dranath, you know, you've got quite a board state already. Like, that's just a simple little thing. And then, like, I don't know if you see next to the General Kudra, you've got Generals Enforcer, which is also one color, uh, one white, one black, two, three. Uh, Legendary humans you control have Indestructible. It's a human soldier itself. So that helps... You know, your General Kudro. If you go General's Enforcer into General Kudro, the General Kudro is indestructible. Yeah, and the General's Enforcer has like a Merland Haunt staple to it, which is pretty Exactly. So Exile Token card from a graveyard. If it was a creature card, creates a 1-1 white human soldier token. And General Kudro has two colorless sacrifice two humans, destroy target creature with power four greater. There seems to be a lot of stuff to do in humans. Like, you've got place to spend mana, you've got cheap creatures that interact well with each other. Could also be a potentially, you know, interesting deck to try out. Yeah, definitely look into that. Maybe that's probably an entry point to standard for some people. You know, these one or two color aggressive decks always quite appealing to new players and people returning to standard after a hiatus from Magic. So it's good to know that these things will definitely be supported. And also, I haven't played standard in a while, so maybe I'll just give this a go. 
sort of yeah, start I'm, on the simpler end of things and then work up to my like five color song of creation and miss a deck. We'll get there. Listen, man, you're not kidding anybody. I know you. <laughs> you're going to pick up some deck with Uro and uh, Growth Spiral in it and, and you know, and, and some other combination of cards, but that's going to be a starting point. Song let's not creation. kid ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. Fine, fine, fine. You got me. You got me. <laughs> Okay, cool. One more card each, guys, and then I think we can bail on this uh, kind of set review, I guess, but not really, just discussion on Ikoria. Yeah, from my side, the, the one that I, um, and I thought Salve would probably would be excited by it, is uh, it's Fiend Artisan, and it's a hybrid green-black, um, okay. green-black, green-black, so it's two mana, essentially, and it's a 1-1, one, one, and it gets plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. And then its ability is um, tap, yes. pay one hybrid green, black, um, and pay X. Sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Uh, and then put it into uh, play. So, Battlefield, straight on. Yeah. yeah I, 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 this just screams like something that has um, potential to be uh, broken. Um, yeah, going green, X. Yeah, and it, or it could just be a simple, like you know, a simple, uh, you know, uh, something to grab a grab a Gary, you know, <laughs> grab a Gary out yeah. of your mono black deck or whatever, you know, just chain together some Garys and just finish off people. Like, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm more excited about the combo potential and you know to think what what could this mean for for eternal formats. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a possible birthing pod replacement if you look at it that way uh, obviously yeah. you have to spend the mana every time that you want to you know move up in creature cost um but it can find things with you know smaller cmc than the creature that you sacrifice obviously it depends what you pay so it's got a bit of versatility but also it's on a creature so it's a bit more vulnerable so there's some nice counterplay there and obviously you know you could probably figure out a way in standard i mean people were doing vanifar like pod things Sort of with a combo finish with Garys and a few other few other cards built in like Nightmare Shepherds and those kinds of things, and also it's kind of like a poor man's Tarmogoyf, you know, yeah. two mana two mana one one that gets bigger for every creature card in. Well, it's just your graveyard, but you know if you you're well, doing it's each creature sort of card though. So if you build your deck right, it's even better than Tarmogoyf. Tarmogoyf can only get so big. This yeah. can go beyond that. Yeah, this like, can yeah. So there's a reason why that's a mythic. <laughs> like, you know, you don't often get two mana one ones at mythic. So I, I agree with you there, Karan. I think this actually could be probably one of the best cards in the set. Like silently, like quietly, just chilling in the corner there. But really reading it, that's scary. Like especially considering you've already got Jun sacrifice decks, which use the triggers anyway. Like. That's just one way, like you could use it. Plus, you know, you got creatures going into the graveyard, so this is getting bigger when you're sacrificing stuff. Yeah, I, I actually think yeah, it could be really, really good. Cool. So, Savesh, yep. what, what's yep. one last uh, card you wanna, you wanna discuss there? Um, let's... actually, yeah, I want to talk about Sprite Dragon a bit. Um, that's pretty interested in that. You mentioned the Jeskai enchantment, the Whirlwind of Thoughts. You know, whenever you cast on creature spell, draw a card. Well, this yeah. is blue and a red for a 1-1 with flying and haste. It's a fairy dragon. And whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Sprite Dragon. So that can get out of hand quite quickly. It's got super prowess. Um, 
but mm. just along the lines of something like a blue-red tempo deck, maybe Arclight Phoenix yeah. still being a standard is a sign that I need to build this deck. You know, yeah. I don't know how many cheap cantrips we have. We have Opt, I think, still in the format. We have Shock yeah. as well, and you know, potentially another a few cards here and there, uh, cheap cantrips and the like. So, um, sort of like a blue-red burn tempo style deck. Um, you yeah, know, you I've got always liked Secrets, so this could be. Yeah, ionize as well. You know, you've got the, the and you've got you know neutralize if you want to play sort of a tempo deck. You know, with some cycling to draw uh, cards and forget these things. So cycling uh, being back in standard is pretty exciting with these kinds of effects. Um, yeah, I, I think but, neutralize would be too expensive for that kind of deck, like for just a straight counter spell. But maybe not. Maybe that's actually exactly where it would go. Yeah, yeah no, or, or maybe, maybe in eternal formats with uh, you know with the one drop um, prowess guys. Um, yeah, exactly. Seems like a pretty solid way. Even modern, you know, legacy as well. I mean, the Storm Chaser Mage, I think, the like from Oath of the Gatewatch, that like two mana one three yeah. flying haste prowess, you know, that's that's yeah. some yeah. play in like red dolver decks from time to time. So this is a pretty easy replacement, I think. Yeah. It's yeah I mean, if you're using yeah. if you're using like boxes and stuff with this as well, like I mean I know that's maybe not what you would want to do, but that is a way to really go off pretty quickly. Oh like yeah, and could... vintage. You're like they can't deal with one-one flyers. There's no way to kill creatures in vintage. It's just you know people get killed by the stupidest cards. You know, Mishra's workshop is a legitimate threat. Uh, Mishra's factory, sorry. They just yeah. get killed by tutus. You know, with no evasion, um, just because the decks are not really set up to deal with those kinds of things. So you know, as a sideboard option or main deck option in the, the paradoxical outcome decks in vintage, that could be something to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for those cool. of you who play Vintage. Uh, actually, I think Vintage is pretty accessible on Magic Online. I think it's a lot cheaper than playing Modern. Um, oh, oh yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's very cheap. I mean, weren't you at my? Were you around that day when I just bought the Vintage deck and we just hung out and or maybe you were in PE at the time? So, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, like the rest, of, I was there with some of the other boys and we just were bored and there was a Vintage challenge and um, like I realized that I basically had you know the uh, shops. The workshop deck besides like the power nine so i just went and bought power nine and um and and maybe some workshops and they were like the, they were so cheap on magic online yeah, and, uh, yeah. like tickets or something you know <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah it's 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 like it's nothing again another other reason to play magic online but yeah it's uh it's, it is affordable if you ever want to play vintage that's the place yeah. to go Okay. Well, the last well, time I remember hanging out at your flats with Magic Online was when we were trying to... This is before Dominaria came out. We were trying to build a blue-red Wizards deck in modern. It <laughs> had just been spoiled. So we were like, we could play eight lightning bolts with Snapcaster Mages and Delvers. Uh, it didn't work out. I, that sounds great to me, but like, yeah, that, it didn't work out. But I'm, I would have done that. Like, well, Spot Dragon is going like, to revitalize the, the whole thing. You know, game <laughs> yeah, we'll, get back, we'll get back to it, yeah. Um, yeah, so in, in our little break, one big bit of news happened in Magic in general. It's a thing a lot of people have been waiting for. Uh, we finally are going to be having eight-person drafts on Arena. So you guys finally going to shut down your MTGO accounts, sell out of everything, and uh, join into just the MTGA life, or how are you seeing this? I don't know about that, but it's pretty <laughs> cool. Oh, didn't you know about that? I like it just. I knew it was up. in the pipeline. You know, they they plan to do it in the next probably year or two, but I don't know. It was. I mean, what are they saying? Apparently, this, apparently this Thursday. Yeah. 
Oh, jeez, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, 10,000... It costs 10,000 gems, 10,000 gold or 1,500 gems. So I don't know how much money that is in dollars, but probably, yeah, I don't know, probably around $5 or so. I'd, I'd think. Mm. I'm not too sure. I can't actually speak properly there. So uh, I'll quickly Google that. But yeah, you guys, uh, what do you think? Like, finally got in person drafts on MTG Arena. Yeah, I think it's yeah, great. I, I, I mean, one of the big problems with. Arena was drafting was pretty boring. I mean, once you figured out what was good in a format, it took a while for the bots to adjust. So you were always sort of one step ahead. It didn't feel like you were actually, um, you know, drafting. It felt like you were sort of on autopilot most of the time, and especially with um, with Eldraine. I think the Merfolk Secret Keeper yeah. mold deck, you know, was the, probably a very easy thing to put together. Um, obviously, it took them a while to adjust, but now at least you're playing as actual or drafting with actual people. You know, it's going to be pretty skill testing for most of the most of the time i think so that's pretty cool i don't think it's gonna you know pull me away from magic online you know it's still got the eternal formats it's still got um, cube drops when those are on i know there's cube sealed on arena but it's not the same thing no but it's still quite fun like if you're not like that's the thing magic arena is dope if you don't want to spend money you're also not going to make money like mtgo does have that ability to gain value as time goes on arena you're literally just getting the value of playing, which for me at the moment, I'm cool with. Like, I think this is great. It's a bit much with the 10,000 gems, but the prize support seems pretty dope. So I'm quite cool with that. I'm reading here, it's $5 for 2,500 gems. So this is basically costing you like $3.50. So 70 Rand a draft, which seems okay if you're not keeping like you're keeping the cards kind of you can play with them you can't sell them compared to a real draft which is going to cost you what like 250 these days so in terms of that in terms of getting a real draft experience that seems kind of worth it but in comparison and actually yeah in comparison to mtgo how much are you paying there like 12 dollars 14 dollars yeah okay so it's very different because okay so let's say it depends on what you're drafting but um, I think a, a regular draft is is twelve dollars um, on on MTGO, not not a fancy set or anything. Yeah. But the the difference is um, if you you obviously build up a collection on MTGO and you have the ability to cash out on MTGO. Yeah. Um, and so like Arena, it's great that they're gonna have. You know, you can draft against other people, and that's that's fantastic, and it's a step in the right direction. But like, it's not gonna make me wanna uh, stop playing MTGO because again, why must I have an arena collection? And the reality is, I'll a person like myself will probably still have to pay for arena because I don't, I'm not gonna sit there every day and play whatever stupid challenges and quests. You know, I don't know, put put two. Two two twos in your deck or whatever the stupid things that they they end up. It's not know, it's not it's not Hearthstone, bro. Like, well, what, not, whatever, man. Whatever. It's just you're just gonna yeah, play so, like you're just gonna play games of Magic. Like that's it. Like that's like they they their yeah. their quests are fine. Like it's not too bad. But I feel you. Yeah. So so like where where it's it's different. You you still require. So if you're not playing and you're not doing that all the time, you you still gonna need money to do that. You need a significant yeah. amount of money, I think, to do it. Um, where, yeah, like, it's funny, like, on your MTGO account, 
your account's worth whatever amount of money. And like, it's funny, I was chatting, I was having a discussion with uh, another friend the other day and, you know, with the, the RAND taking a, a beating against the dollar, I, I looked at the value of my account and I was, I was quite uh, uh, quite pleased. I thought, hmm, well, maybe well, it's a good time to just cash yeah, out. I, I haven't. Yeah. I, no, I haven't. I haven't. But uh, I'm considering it at the moment, you know, just like selling out of, uh, selling out yeah. of the account and just leave, leaving a few, just leaving a little bit in and, just to mess yeah. around with, you know. I sent you some photos of what I'm doing. Well, I told you what I'm doing when it comes to MTGO at the moment. So I'm actually using it to trade cards and stuff. And I've I've gained about $30 in value in the last week. I haven't played anything. But my I had about $20 of worth of cards in my account still from back in the day. And also from playing through the Sharks account, you know, getting chess and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm now up to like $50 in value of cards. So slowly but surely, I'm just watching the meta game, buying cards, selling cards, and uh, making a little bit of money each day. Who knows? Who knows if this will become my full-time job? And uh, yeah, I'm gonna become just a MTGO trader because of the Rand dollar exchange rates and having a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> exactly. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that that's something I've done. Like I've and it has been pretty cool so far. But yeah, like for me, it's just the initial cost of MTGO is the problem. Like, be, like having to just pay that twelve dollars to start with. That's paying two hundred and forty rand to potentially get blown out. Because you know, like if you open a set, you could get literally one rand's worth of cards out of all three of your packs. And then if you get one win or you get no wins, you're done. So it's it depends on how good you are at the game, essentially, as to whether or not MTGO is worth it for you. And I'm not quite on your level, and I also just don't have the bank balance to be able to do it. So for me, being able to now play proper drafts for free, that's a cool way to have the competitive experience and not necessarily get the competitive prizes, but train for competitive events and train for in-person real life drafts essentially for a lot of people who you know don't haven't played in-person drafts have never drafted eight person sets because they've just come on to mtg arena this is a great way for them to now get better at it and to be able to play if there's ever gps again and if there's ever a pro tour again not a bad way for them to test as well like for cheap or for free depending because three dollars fifty compared to twelve dollars that is a big difference, especially when uh, you you need to adjust the learning curve, essentially. If you're at the bottom of the learning curve, I think obviously MTGA is the way to go. Sure, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah, Pretty big Very deal, yeah. Did they, did they mention in the article that you've just read, Bob, whether or not these will be ranked as well? So will they contribute towards your, you know, uh, um, I think, um, I, think I read that. Yeah, I think I read that they will. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty big incentive then to to carry on. Yeah, it's well, more expensive than, than the, it's more expensive than the bot ones, but I think it's the only way you can play best of three now. So that's interesting. Um, but that's also cool is that yeah, if you want the best of three experience and like a proper proper draft experience like at your local store that is available to you. They've actually got two options. They've got 
um, like the premier option, which gives you more prizes, and it's seven matches. And then they've got your like regular option, which is just your three matches and kind of just your simple um, MTGO prize structure. Like it's pretty similar to that. I assume everyone would know that by the time this comes out, but maybe that's some new information to you because it was new information to solve and it was a uh, new information to us today as well <laughs> like you and it is, me, so. <laughs> yeah and, and it is it, like yeah not pack ambushed you but this is big news in terms of what a lot of people have been wanting it's i think it, it opens up access to proper drafting to a lot to thousands maybe millions more people even like eventually will be able to now have the experience of drafting properly because drafting in real life is hella expensive like i can't remember the last time i drafted in real life like you know that wasn't for some sort of really competitive event so yeah personally i'm pretty stoked about it but i think that brings us to the end there you guys you guys good got anything else you want to share can, can I just give us a, like a, a bonus thought here around um, around our our blue white uh, flyers deck? Sure. Just, I've been on Grant's, MTGO Grant's now. Corner. Yeah, I've, I've been on MTGO now, looking at some intro, you know, what's available, and obviously there's the eight, there's going to be the eight lords. Then there's a card called the Rally of Rally of Wings. Which oh yes, yeah, Rally before. of Wings blows people out. The cards oh, are yeah. hilarious. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. Sorry, many times. Yeah, one blue instant. Untap all creatures you control. Creatures you control flying at plus two, plus two until end of turn. Yeah, yeah, it's stupid. And then it's you know, and then you've got things like loyal Pegasus. Uh, you know, one white, two one flyer for for one. Um, Spectral Sailor, obviously. You could play things like Fairy Died Mother, um, Brazen Borrower. Um, yeah, obviously, the new I want to see your list. It's your homework. Yeah, I mean. Actually, those Maybe. are cards that I hadn't tried out because I hadn't played the deck since uh, Eldraine. Because the time I had the deck was long before then. So that's actually, yeah, there's a lot of new stuff. Yeah, and, and like you've got obviously the new Ninja ninja of the Deep Hours, uh, whatever, Mutate guy. Nin- ninja and, uh, of the Deep that, Octopus. Yeah, uh, Ninja <laughs> of the Deep Octopus, there you go. Yeah, and, and, and like there's even Dungeon Geists in Standard, which is obviously a great way to... <laughs> handle um handle big creatures so yeah i think uh i think we could try something here okay cool so that that's going to be one of the one of the mtg sharks builds that you're going to you're going to see you can follow us on twitter at mtg sharks both quran and i are now on the account quran's going to be sharing some lists from his drafts and yeah i think we can both try and brew up so like we can come up with our own lists see how they do, and then try and maybe work on something together. I think that could be a fun little project. What do you think, Karan? Cool. Sounds good to me. Cool. And Saab, what are you, you going to be doing when it comes to MTG? Are you going to go back into the modern, or are you actually going to try out some Macoria? Well, I think when Macoria drops, I think I'll probably play a bit of standard, maybe do some drafts. But for the time being, I'll, I'm going to carry on grinding out these um, you know, modern pioneer qualifying events, you know, trying to get on the Pro Tour eventually when that does happen in paper. <laughs> Um, but I uh, almost tasted victory the other day, so I'm going to jump back in and uh, give it another go as long as I can or as long as my schedule permits. I think it's going to get busier on my end. Um, but regarding the deck building, if I do you know, whip up some cool standard brews, I'll be sure to tag you guys on Twitter. You know? Yeah, where can people find you on Twitter? I think my Twitter handle is just my name, right? It's just at uh, Sarvesh Balkarin, um, cool. so S-A-R-V-E-S-H-B-A-L-K-A-R-A-N. And I think that's pretty much the only real social media presence I have. Facebook, I pretty much just use to keep track of 
what terrible news people are sharing, ridiculous conspiracy theories, um, mostly being shared by my own family members. So I'm constantly debunking those um, and, you know, keeping tabs on what's going on with the, the magic Facebook groups. But I don't post really on any other platform other than Twitter. So that's probably where you can find me. And if you want to see photos of my dog, um, you could probably check out my Instagram feed because I don't post on Instagram, but I get tagged by my girlfriend who posts photos of my dog from time to time. And that's just at Salvesh01. So, yeah, he's really cute. Cool. Karan, where can people find you? Yeah, Instagram Instagram and Twitter, Karan C. Cool. And I am Bobness Monster on Twitter. And if you want to send me a follower request on Instagram, I'm almost perfect, Bob. But I might reject you. I've got that. I've got that shit on lock. So, yeah, uh, Twitter is where you can find me at Bobness Monster. I'll be making fun of you if you like uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, and just in general tearing your opinions apart. So maybe don't do that if you've got um, thin skin. But right, it's not what's wrong with Sam Raimi's Spider-Man? Everything. Everything, literally everything. There's no, like, there's no Spider Man 3, but Spider Man 1 is okay. Spider Man 2 is probably the best Spider Man movie they've ever made. What? Okay, sec- second only what? to Into the Spider Verse. Right. What? Oh it's a crack. It's a crack. It, like, Ooh, Sam I, know, I know Doc, like, he's the, <laughs> he's the director of the first three things. But, like, I know doctors have access to drugs. Like, I get that. Like, are you taking them? Like, is that what's I'm happening? Source, yeah, I've got some pethidine, you know, half pethidine. I'm more pethidine than man at this point. Uh, I mean, even the Andrew Garfield, like, you know, Spider Man were both better. Than no, <laughs> those are absolute trash. The amazing Spider Man. I love just, Oh, shit. <laughs> I Spider-Man. agree, and they were better than the Sam Raimi ones. Just, just consider the writing and the the characterization of the villain and a whole bunch of other things. It's much better than you're giving it credit for. Trust me. It's, but Into it's the Spider Verse okay. is fantastic. I watched it again recently, and that's just yeah. phenomenal. So. No, I actually genuinely think um, the first of the new Spider Man, Spider Man Homecoming, was the best of the Spider Man that's been out. Tom Holland is my Spider Man. He is Peter Parker. Like. 100%. There's no difference between Tom Holland on screen and Peter Parker as I understand him as a character. So, you know, compared to Tobey Maguire... I inspired a suit. You know, that's, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different universe anyway. <laughs> cool. So this this derailed, but if you want conversations like that, follow me uh, at Bobness Monster on Twitter and you can follow us at MTG Sharks both on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, we are on Facebook now, so we might even share some stuff there as well. Thank you for listening, as always. And we don't have a sign-off, so bye.